celebrate. And if God made queer people on purpose, which we know God did, what does that mean for the rest of our faith? And what does that mean for the rest of our community? And this is not your traditional Pentecost scripture. We usually read from Acts 2 about the Holy Spirit coming down and making fire and crossing literal language. But because this month we've been thinking about evangelism and what would a healthy, ethical, Christian, gospel-led evangelism look like? What does it mean to think about evangelism as something broader and deeper I wanted to, to stretch us a little bit and do Acts 17 today to think about the ways in which the Holy Spirit enables us not just to speak new languages um, in the way that God did on Pentecost, but in the way that God invites us to speak new languages of culture and person and um, intimacy every day if we truly put ourselves into relationship with both people who are different from us and allow them to tell us in their own words who they are. And so to start that conversation, I wanna play you a little video. Um, these are two queer deaf artists, Niall DeMarco and Chella Mann, and they're gonna teach you some signs. Um, and for the benefit of our folks who listen to the podcast or are visually impaired, I'm gonna do a little narration of the uh, closed captions, so. We're gonna have to scroll up a little bit so that we can see the closed captions. Yeah, there we go, okay, good. Oh, can we go back to the beginning? I think it went a couple seconds in. Okay, good, oh, good, there we go. Hi, my name is Chella Man. Chella, and I'm Niall DeMarco. What are we doing today? Teaching signs, queer signs. Often many of you have asked to learn some of these signs. So we decided to get together and teach you some. Exactly. You ready? Just to let you know, we might be giving you a pop quiz. Charming smile. Maybe at the end, I'm watching you. Okay, they're picking uh, words out of a little clear box. T-R-A-N-S. The sign for trans. It encompasses beautiful myself and becoming. It's a beautiful sign. Trans. It's one of my favorite signs. It's a beautiful sign. I agree. Trans woman, trans man, trans person. The sign for gay. or G-A-Y, B-I. The sign for bisexual is abbreviated and spelled using the letters B-I, bisexual. And we're gonna post this on Facebook later for you guys who are trying to learn them, I see you, I see you, don't worry. L-E-S-B-I-A-N, lesbian. Just make sure your index finger is on your chin like this it has a totally different meaning if you move it up like this, so don't do that. <laughs> sign lesbian like this, it's better. Be careful. Fun sign. Drag queen or queen. The sign is drag. 
you can have a lot of fun with that sign. You can sign it with one hand or use two hands. Yeah, and really show the fullness of the hair. Drag queen. Yeah. Q-U-E-E-R. Queer. It's like a rainbow. Queer. It's beautiful. I think we have one more. I want to give you an example of something. Yeah. Intersex. Every day we see new words come into use in ASL, so it's always tough to have new signs ready each time. And we don't feel right to just invent new signs. Instead, we want to let the deaf community watching this video create their own sign that would be the best fit. Yeah, there's so many new words. Have fun with it. Right, and really there's no one right sign that would be fitting for everyone. Exactly. Signs like fluid. True. Like anything, it's a spectrum. Spectrum. Cello learns the new word spectrum. Everything's a spectrum, including signs. Hope to see you signing soon. Yay, yay that video. <laughs> so we'll post that somewhere where everybody can find it. Um, I think it's a great video for a number of reasons. Uh, one is that it's interesting, right, to see people making language in real time. <laughs> that there is a word that no one has made a sign for yet, and so the community gets to decide together, how are we going to meet this need? How are we going to describe this human experience that our language did not yet have words for? I think it also points out the difficulty, not just of when someone doesn't speak your language, but when they don't speak your language, right? What would have happened on the day of Pentecost is that someone in that group of disciples would have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to begin speaking in American Sign Language. If someone in the room, or Aramaic Sign Language, I suppose, um, if someone in that crowd spoke that language, and they would have been empowered to say the words they were saying about Jesus to that crowd in the languages that they spoke. But that doesn't get at the second part of this, which is that where this video comes from, I assume, and looking at the comments it's affirmed, is that some folks grow up speaking ASL in families that speak ASL and communities that speak ASL, but that don't know or won't teach signs about queerness. And if that's who you are, <laughs> if that's who you are and if that's your community, not being able to speak the language of queer experience and identity is just as much an assault on the soul as someone not being able to speak the literal language that you speak each day. It takes something more, it takes something farther um, to be fully seen in who God made you to be. It takes a cultural language as well as the kinds of languages that we learn to speak with one another every day. It takes a reaching out and it takes a making. I imagine that there have been a lot of intersex people who have been speaking ASL for a lot of generations. 
and only now, right, will there be a sign that can be taught across groups, across communities, across small towns, where you don't just make up a sign for yourself, you and a friend, but there's a way for your language to hold you, to hold your experience for you to be seen. This is the part about Paul's evangelism at Areopagus at Mars Hill uh, with these intellectual Athenians who are bored and so want the novelty of argument, who sit and talk about the big things all day, um, who get to basically like live 3 a.m. in a dorm room all of the time. <laughs> uh, this is what I appreciate about what Paul is doing in this scripture, is that Paul isn't just speaking Greek. He's speaking to the heart of the experience that the people he is speaking to have had. He is paying attention to what they care about. He is paying attention to what they value. He begins with a compliment, right? I see how religious you are. I see you. I appreciate you. I see something specific about who you are. And he begins to try and speak to it and speak about it. He obviously has a different idea about what's going on than they do. But honestly, his honesty is a part of what I appreciate about the way that Paul talks to new communities. He doesn't talk until he's been asked, right? He's not a sort of, um, I will preach at you whether or not you're in the mood, whether or not it's the time. He's been asked to give this public speech. And after he makes his offer, here's Jesus, what do you think? <laughs> Most people say no. And so he goes away with the people who have said yes to have a deeper, further conversation. For most people, the resurrection is a little bit too much. It's a little bit too weird. It's a little bit too strange. But he's clear, right? You should get on board with Jesus. <laughs> I think you need to repent and change your life. He's honest about what he has found in who Jesus is, what he has found in who God is, and that he thinks it's for everybody, and that he wants everybody to be able to get on board. And that honesty, I think, is a value in a community where so often there's deceit around religious and faith commitments. Um, one of the things that's been big for us in the last year is that we've become a part of a site some of you may have used to find us called Church Clarity. Um, you may or may not be familiar with it, but Church Clarity came out of the experience of folks walking into churches that said, we are welcoming, but it turned out what they meant was, we will meet the very, very low bar of not physically ejecting you from pews and nothing more, <laughs> right? Um, and it turns out that for a lot of people, that's not the bar we're looking for, <laughs> right? That's not the bar we're looking for. We're looking for a church that will marry us, that will let us lead the worship band, that will let us preach, that will ordain us. But what I appreciate is that church clarity is about as long as you're honest, you're good. If you're honest about the fact that some people can get married here and some people can't, that's how you should be. If you're honest about the fact that uh, some people can lead here and some people can't, that's how it should be. They do the same thing for women in leadership. If you're honest about the fact that you believe women should not be pastors, great. The only thing we object to is when people aren't clear. <laughs> when they put people in a situation to get tricked um, into something that they haven't signed up for. 
because we believe that while Jesus is a bold and a strong message, it's a message that not everybody's into and that not everybody wants to hear, it is, it's a message that's clear. <laughs> Jesus doesn't lie about who he is or what he's about, and we shouldn't either. So I really appreciate that about what Paul does here, that he is appreciative of the people before him, that he sees them as creations of God, even though they don't agree with him about theology or what the universe is. He sees in them gifts and potential in this statue they have made, and then he's honest about where he differs from them. And then for those who aren't into it, they go off, and for those who are into it, he has a little bit of a deeper conversation. But he's doing something that I think all of us need to do, which has to do with this resurrection that so freaks the Athenians out, right? Um, Paul is saying like a lot of what seemed to me could be scandalous stuff at the beginning of this sermon that he gives to the people of Areopagus. He's like somewhat arrogantly like naming their gods for them and telling them what their statues mean and telling them who they are and what they should be about. But they, they listen through that, right? They're in. They're like, all right, fine, we'll give it a chance. Let's see what this guy has to say. Maybe he has some answers to some questions we've been asking. When they're done is when he starts to talk about a God who takes on a body. A God who takes on a body, who lives a human life, who dies a human death and is resurrected. That's the part that freaks them out. <laughs> because I think that's the part that actually freaks all of us out, including the ones who have bought in that God might be the kind of God who knows our fleshly life. That God might be the kind of God who knows what it is to be embodied, <laughs> to have a life, to have a death, to have a resurrection, to have fear, to have hunger, to have pain, to have joy, to have intimacy. That God might be the kind of God who lives that instead of rejecting it as some kind of test to see whether we can do well is a scary idea. Because I think most of us, um, in part because of training and in part because life is hard, resist our own embodiment and the embodiment of others. We resist the lives we've been given that are particular and painful and awesome because living in a body, it turns out, is hard. And living in a body when other people have different bodies than you and just, this is, when I, when I do premarital counseling with people, but it's also true of like roommates, moms, any human relationship you'll ever have, <laughs> the hardest thing about other people is that they continue to not be you for the rest of their lives. <laughs> right? The hard, right? They just, they just never become you. They never start wanting the same thing you want. They never start agreeing with everything you say. It never happens, no matter how hard you want it and no matter how long you try. Other people continue to be other people with other bodies and other fleshes that embody other knowledges about who God is, that are other images and reflections of the true nature of the God who made us like God made Jesus. And so the hard thing about other people is that they never become us. But the great thing about them never becoming us is that we are then extended outside of ourselves to see a broader vision of what God is doing in the world. And if we're going to be Christians, if we're going to be evangelists, if we're going to be engaged in outreach in a way that really cares about other people and their salvation, 
it has to be a way of evangelism that cares about their enfleshment <laughs> and not just their thoughts and feelings and beliefs that they assent to. It has to be a kind of evangelism that cares about what happens to people, whether or not they ever become a part of our church, because they're still reflections of the image of God. They are still bodies that are a part of the body of Christ, whether or not they're ever down with our thing. And it has to be a kind of evangelism that cares about people's material circumstances as much as it cares about the state and the comfort and the calm of their souls. I have been reminded of this many times this week. Um, this was not initially supposed to be a justice sermon, right? We, we try and balance a little bit at Urban Village, sort of internal, external, justice, spiritual reflection and growth uh, over time. But this week has demanded that this be a justice sermon because it turns out the world is always demanding that of us. It turns out the world is always demanding that of us. I find it... We've talked about this before. I find it hard to say out loud because I find it hard um, to continue to acknowledge and believe that, that this is happening. But we have concentration camps at our border right now. That's what's happening. That's what's happening in our name. That's what's happening in the name of all Americans, but also in the name of Christians in particular. Um, we are jailing children, killing trans people at the border right now, that is what is happening. And, and we can't turn away if we're going to call ourselves Christians, because it turns out if we're Christians, all souls are our soul, and all flesh is our flesh, and all flesh is the flesh of the Jesus who saved us. And so if we believe in salvation, that means we cannot wait and we cannot go silent if what is happening at the border is happening. We must make known that there has to be a different way. For me, that has meant, and I offer these to you, if there are other things this has meant for you, RACES Texas, R-A-I-C-E-S, is an organization that is providing legal help to reunite families and to stop some of the biggest human rights abuses at the border. I am donating to them. I am calling my senators and my congresspeople and I am saying this should be the first thing you think about when you wake up in the morning because we can't think about other things <laughs> until this is cared for. And a particular, um, a particular place of change that some of us in this room may have, not all of us, is that many of the children who have been taken away from their families are being placed with evangelical adoption agencies and families, right? And, and, the, and I believe that many of these families believe that they are doing the right thing. They are caring for an unaccompanied child, and they are currently fostering. But here's what's going to happen. Because our government took no care to track whose children were whose or where they went, many of these children are going to get called uncared for or children with no parents soon, unless those foster families and the rest of us insist that we will not let that happen. 
If you know any of these foster families, if you know any of these agencies, many of which are in the state of Illinois and the state of Michigan, you must say to your friends, you must write letters to these agencies. It is your responsibility if one of these kids is in your house to write down literally everything they say about their families and their prior experience and never stop looking for their families and never stop looking for their parents. That's one that you don't hear about often in the news because it's a, it's a small percentage, but it's one where we might have the power to make a difference because this is our community, right? Christians are our community um, that others don't have. And there's another place where if we're gonna be evangelists of the gospel, a more local place, if we're going to be evangelists of the gospel where we must have integrity to who Jesus is and to who God is this week, um, which is it's Pride Month right? Which means many of us are, many of us might go out a lot anyway, but you're going to be invited to go out a lot more this particular month, and you're probably going to be invited to go to East Lakeview a lot, uh, also known as Boys Town, although it is not only boys who go there, <laughs> and it is not only boys who are the queer community, <laughs> right? Um, and, and a couple things have happened in the last week uh, in, in East Lakeview um, that, that have actually been happening for decades which are racist incidents at bars and record stores where black queer people are being kicked out, told not to come back, or where comments are being made about rap or R&B music that are actually about saying we know who we want here and it's not black and brown people, right? That's what that means. And if we're gonna be all over Pride this month, right, if we're gonna be at the parade, if we're gonna be in the clubs, if we're gonna be at the events saying that God loves queer people, it is incumbent upon us in our flesh, seeing the flesh of our siblings and the members of this community who have been harmed by that racism in those places to say that we are here for black queer people and we are here for brown queer people and until queer communities aren't racist, they aren't queer communities at all, <laughs> right? They aren't communities for all of us, yeah. And those are places where as we do this outreach, we are also a part of now, um, if any of you guys wanna get involved, a team that's working on specific action steps with the businesses of Lakeview to ensure that they think about what it means to be actively welcoming when it comes to race, to be actively non-racist as much as they think about what it means to be in a queer community. Um, and giving them action steps to take towards that, giving them steps to turn around, right? These bar owners, we're, we're meeting with them, right? What can you do next? What can you do? How can you make amendments, amends? Um, because that's the Christian thing to do. <laughs> so if we're gonna call ourselves evangelists, we must call ourselves people of the flesh, people who care about the whole of what Christ is, and people who speak in the cultural language as well as the literal language that matters to people. People who go out to every person we meet and say, first, not, here's my thing, but what is your thing? <laughs> what are you about? What is the empty space or the unnamed statue in your life that by asking you about it, I can learn more about the fullness of who God is and what the body of Christ is? And how will that change who I am in the world and who I am in my faith? So let's go out and be those kinds of evangelists taking from Paul what we can learn, even as we might have fought with him late into the night in the Agora about other stuff that he may have said. <laughs> and let's go love the world as a world that is full of bodies like ours. Always other, always different, and always in that, 
able to teach us and be with us a new and holy body of Christ, empowered by the Pentecost of the Holy Spirit to become one once again, to become just, to become merciful, to become beloved once again, no matter how hard it might seem to us right now. Let us follow that call. Amen.